What is the importance of developing a biblical worldview? Find out from one of today's leading worldview experts on this episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here today with co-host Joseph Kerr to discuss the important role of worldview. You might not think about it, but every major issue in our headlines is impacted by our worldview. Whether the military, critical race theory, education, or politics, our convictions influence our beliefs and actions in these important areas. Joining us today is a voice Fox News and CNN have called a religious and cultural expert. Alex McFarland is the president of Truth for a New Generation and can be heard daily on American Family Radio's Exploring the Word. He's the author of numerous books, and we're glad to have him back today. Alex, welcome to A View from the Wall. Oh, thank you, guys. It's such an honor to be back. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, well, we've had you with us here before, and we're glad to join you again. But we want to dive right in. I want to start with a major event you have taking place soon. Your ministry, Truth for a New Generation, and its conferences have included many well-known national speakers over the years, intensive training, and you have one coming up called Worldview, The Battles We Must Win. What is it about Worldview that is a battle? Talk about that, if you will. Wow. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you referencing the conference coming up October 15 through 17 uh, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We've never done an event in that famous resort town, but Myrtle Beach, we'll have Frank Turek, we'll have Sandy Rios, a very respected journalist, Bishop E.W. Jackson, and we've got more than a dozen sessions for all ages, teens, adults, ministry leaders, But we are talking about the different ideas, philosophies that really are competing for the hearts and minds of people. And and worldview matters on a personal level, obviously, because of uh, what people believe about Jesus Christ and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Worldview matters personally, for sure. But worldview matters culturally and corporately because uh, let's talk about one one battle that's really raging in academia right now, our rights. Do, do our rights come from God or from the government? Uh, does the government belong to us, we the people, or do we belong to the government? And what about rights, uh, individual sovereignty? And are we able to make decisions for ourselves, self-determination, or are we really bound by the circumstances of our life and government beliefs begat behaviors. And we're at a crossroad our nation has never faced before, whether we're going to be a land of liberty and stability if we're moral, or a land of restriction and and basically enslavement if we try to cut ourselves loose from God and moral truth. So the battle of worldviews is very real, and how it all plays out is going to touch each and every one of us. 
I'm glad you pointed out that it is both national and personal, Alex. We frequently reference 1 Peter, where it talks about we have an obligation to be ready to give an answer about the hope that is within us. That's personal. That's that conversation that happens between me and my next door neighbor when they have a question and I can answer it from the Bible. Talk about the perspective of an everyday Christian. How, how do we go about having good answers about our Christian worldview when that is so all-encompassing? Well, well, another great question, uh, Joe, and clearly the most important, important reality of life is our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And, and I would say to everybody who hears this, I mean, more important than any other decision, your, uh, whom you marry or the education you get or your career path or how much money you are able to make or whatever— I mean, the most important decision a person will ever make is to enter a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, because by putting our faith in Christ, that's how our sins are forgiven and how we're saved. Now, ideally, every Christian would, just out of pure gratitude, would give themselves fully to the Lord. And Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 12, you know, being a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. But oddly enough, in America, uh, because we're very, you know, prosperous, and we've had a very opulent life here in America, a lot of people, even professed Christians, very often, they, they get as much of Jesus as they need to keep them out of hell, but not so much of Jesus that it really interferes with their life and their agenda. And I think a lot of the, the unbelieving world uh, doesn't take Christianity too seriously, because very often the Christians don't take Christianity all that seriously. Now, Second Peter chapter 1 says, regarding the, the historicity of Jesus, says, we have not followed cleverly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of Jesus. So this is not a myth or a legend. I, I believe historically, uh, scientifically, certainly logically, uh, textually, uh, experientially, even mathematically, compelling, compelling lines of evidence point to the truth and the reality of the gospel message. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty passionate that the message is true, the message is relevant, and we have the privilege every day that we get up, we have the privilege to leave our house and go forth into this world as representatives of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. and. I fear sometimes we don't really take that assignment as seriously as we ought to. Well, that's such a good perspective on this passage as well. We talked about 1 Peter three fifteen and 16 that starts off talking about, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That's where it begins. If you don't know Christ, you need to have a relationship with him. But it's interesting that Jude 1, 3 also talks about that even though he was eager to write about the salvation that they shared, he felt compelled to write and urge his listeners to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. We have an obligation to both know the gospel, to communicate that, and to live it out in our lives. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Alex McFarland. Stick with us here on A View from the Wall. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. 
Jeremiah's words are heavy, filled with references to coming trials and judgment, but there's words of hope too. For example, in Jeremiah 30 verse 7, we read, The time of Jacob's trouble is coming, but he shall be saved out of it. Here Jeremiah looks far into the future and sees judgments coming, but also sees how believers will escape it in an event we call the rapture. It is God's way to provide an escape from judgment. In Noah's time, the way of escape was the ark. In Moses' day, it was the blood of a lamb on a doorpost. Soon, the way of escape will be the rapture. Are you ready? Believe in the Son. Be ready for His return. And watchmen, ask God, how do you want to use me in such a time as this? Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall, as Joe and I talk with Alex McFarland about worldview and the events that he leads with Truth For A New Generation, we want to take some time to share a little bit about the resources his ministry has to help. Alex, you've already talked a little bit about the conference you have going that's coming up this October in Myrtle Beach. Talk some more about your ministry and some of the items and resources you have that can help people grow in their understanding of a biblical worldview. We basically do events, publishing, and broadcasting. And our goal is to evangelize the lost and equip the saved. And I want to be very clear that the, the resurrection of Jesus is always relevant. You know, you read one of the oldest parts of the New Testament uh, in First Corinthians fifteen three through 5, when Paul said, I gave unto you that which I first received, how that Christ died, was buried according to the Scriptures, rose from the dead. So the gospel is, is always fresh, always true, always relevant. But at the same time, we, you know, millennials and younger, and uh, there's millennials, zillennials, and Gen Z, and, you know, the culture is becoming so fragmented that sociologists very often have trouble even quantifying people groups. But um, from when I got into apologetics 30 years ago to today, in some ways the culture has changed that um, people don't think so much as they feel. I mean, uh, Dylan and Joe, when I first began to speak at university campuses in the early, early 90s, I mean, students and some professors would say, hey, is this true? You know, how can you prove what you're saying is true? But nobody really asked that. They asked questions like, well, what does that mean to you? Or they'll say, well, well, you have your truth, but I have my truth. And so in the TNG conferences, we, we never changed the message. Um, faith in Jesus for salvation, the, the incarnate Lord who rose from the dead. But we, we often talk about, um, you know, emotions and feelings and how even if we've been through a hard journey um, where we've, we've had, you know, all those things everybody wants, acceptance, significant security. People, they're not accepted. They feel rejected. They don't feel significant. They feel like their life is meaningless, very nihilistic. And then security, they, they don't feel secure. Um, and just to illustrate the insecurity that some people feel, I was just uh, this past weekend counseling with a family, and they have a son, that um, 16-year-old son, that was so just terrified of all the COVID, you know, disease, death, the economy is shaky, that... Um, Suddenly, this robust teenager 
uh, just, it's almost like he can't speak anymore. He's got vocal dystonia. In other words, he can't talk because, uh, and some mental health professionals said that this kid is like terrified of where the world is going with COVID. And for those of us that are, you know, a whole lot older, we might say, well, just, you know, buck up and, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But we're, we're in a culture where the traditional points of stability, like home and family, uh, have just not always been there. And so when things come along that are very um, debilitating and unsettling, and if they don't have Jesus Christ as a rock of, of stability and security, I mean, we're meeting younger people that uh, they just almost go catatonic. They, they, they don't have social skills. They can't talk. Now, all of that to say this, in our apologetics and evangelistic presentations, sure, we talk about the evidence and archaeology and history, and the Bible is absolutely trustworthy and preserved, but we share a lot about how Jesus is our security. Jesus is our completion, and Jesus is our comfort and our strength and our assurance. And I I think more than any other generation in American history, um, millennials and younger feel somewhat lost and feel very much alone in the world. And that's where Christianity comes through so strong, because with Christ, John 10, 28, 29, we're securely cared for in the palm of his hand. And um, it, it seems to resonate. I mean, we every, everywhere I go, literally every city I'm in or wherever we do events, we're seeing 20-somethings and younger come to faith in Christ. And that message never changes, but we just maybe present it in a little bit different way than maybe in years past. Let's make this practical and apply it directly to a couple of issues of the day. When we're talking about a our worldview, one of the prominent topics right now is critical race theory, Alex. Talk about that and how our Christian worldview can answer that question. Define it a little bit for us and tell people how to apply our Christian worldview to that discussion. Well, critical race theory, CRT, uh, they basically hold that all of the institutions that comprise America are inherently racist, and they have created and maintained, this is their assertion, that uh, the systems, the government, education, business, culture, even church, has created and maintained um, inequalities on purpose between whites and non-whites, especially African Americans. Now, sadly, what they envision rebuilding is this Marxist, socialist uh, utopia. Now, critical race theory assumes that racism is present in all aspects of life, and they use the term called interest convergence. In other words, critical race theorists assert that white people only give black people opportunities or freedoms if it's in their own interest. So um, they, they assume that all white people just genetically are racist. There's so much, I mean, we could go for hours on what this very horrible philosophy is, but we need to speak to it and help kids and all ages understand that not only our government, but the Bible itself 
assumes that people are made in the image of God. Uh, all people are equal. They have rights. Um, now, not all behaviors are equal, and certainly not all viewpoints are equal, but all human beings have inherent worth, value, and dignity. And guys, let me just say this. Critical race theory is wrong. It is unfair. It is biased to just assume that someone who is Caucasian is racist. That, that's not fair and it's not right. And objectivity and being, being unbiased, that's a courtesy we extend to everybody. Why can't blacks extend it to whites? They, they ought to. Well, that's well said. And there's so much more we could say on the issue, but we have to take a break. We'll be right back with more here on A View from the Wall. Jesus is coming again in an event known as the Rapture. You may be ready, but are your friends and family spiritually prepared for the coming of the Lord? We've created a new resource to help you help them. It's called the Rapture Kit. Rapture Kits are designed to help believers reach out to those lost before the Rapture and provide spiritual and practical information for those still here afterwards. Included in the Rapture Kit is a wealth of information on what the Rapture is and how to prepare for what is to come. The Rapture Kit also includes several Bibles, eBooks, audio and video sermons on prophecy, apologetics, the Christian walk and discipleship material, all preloaded on a 32 gigabyte flash drive. Warn the lost about the coming rapture and help individuals in the post-rapture world be drawn to Christ, equipping them to become the next generation of Christ followers and ministry leaders. Learn more and order at rapturekit.org. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. In our final segment today with worldview expert, author, and speaker Alex McFarland, we tackle the implications and the applications of our biblical worldview. Now, Alex, when it comes to worldview, we are to be both learners as well as leaders. We've talked about the learning part some. How can we help influence others to have a better biblical worldview? Well, that's a great question, Dylan. And, you know, the biblical worldview, obviously, we assume that, that God exists. We assume that God has revealed himself to the human race and that God can be personally known. But uh, a cornerstone of the Christian perspective, and this is biblical worldview, has got to be this, and, and I can't emphasize this strongly enough, that a biblical worldview begins with the Bible. <laughs> you know, uh, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I encourage people, if, if we're going to truly live up to what it means to be a disciple, the Word of God has got to be our, our absolute uh, roadmap for life. The, the, the rule for faith and practice is what leaders of old used to say. But um, I want to encourage people to believe the Word of God, um, believe the Bible, read the Bible every day, and there's so many wonderfully efficient ways you can read through the Bible every year. But I would just say this, Dylan and, and Joe, um, through my privilege to spend the last three decades, literally three decades, um, reading the Bible, visiting the biblical sites in the Holy Land. I've been to 72 major biblical sites, um, interviewed hundreds of scholars on all sides, conservative, liberal, Christian, 
atheist. I would say this. I am 1,000% convinced that the Bible, as you have it, Genesis through Revelation, it is the Word of God. It is is absolutely dependable, trustworthy. It is not only trustworthy, but it is inspired. That means God breathes, given by God. And people talk about spiritual awakening and revival. One of the earmarks of revival is that the Word of God becomes the authority. And we will know that revival is happening when the body of believers, 100 million American professed Christians, 345,000 American churches, and some 600,000-plus ordained clergy. You'll know there's a revival, an awakening, when we begin to live under the authority of Scripture and proclaim the truth of Scripture. So biblical worldview, we're to pray, we're to live for Christ, we're to influence others, we're to live a life of truth, promotion, and we're to view all aspects of life in terms of stewardship. Uh, But that has to begin with the Bible. I'll say this, listen, if we claim to be a child of God, following the Son of God, then the priority of our life will be the Word of God. Alex, you've committed your life to reaching people with the Gospels you've talked about. As Christians, we are also called to share our faith with those around us. I've been encouraged by some of the stories you've shared. Take a moment to talk about how God is working through you to share Christ with other people. Wow. Well, thanks, brother. Um, You know, I think we, we need to look for ways to direct conversations towards spiritual issues, you know? Um, and it, it can become very, very natural because, you know, all day I'm just praising God and thanking the Lord for life and salvation. And just remember, I mean, have compassion in that everybody you meet, is they either have Christ or they need Christ. And people are hungry. All right, I go to my mailbox. This is about three weeks ago. Uh, the mailman, who I barely knew, but his name was David, and he mentioned, he said, uh, Mr. McFarland, you, you surely do get a lot of books in the mail. Uh, what do you do? And uh, I said, well, you know, I, I teach and I write. And he goes, oh, yeah, what do you write about? And I said, apologetics. He goes, what? What in the world is that? And I said, well, uh, basically it's the evidence for the Bible. And he goes, wow, there's like evidence for the Bible? So we, and I said, sure. And I said, let me give you some examples. And, you know, I was talking about some of the things in the Bible, like, you know, uh, King David and the Pool of Siloam and things. And I, and he's listening. All this conversation took place in under two minutes. And I said, hey, um, wh- where are you spiritually? Like, and he goes, oh, and he kind of mumbled a little bit. And I said, um, now keep in mind, this is like a near stranger, although he is a mailman. And I today we surely do appreciate post office and all you did. So I said, hey, can I ask you a, a personal question? And see, by this time, you've earned the right to ask the question. Listen, if you died and the Lord said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And he gave an answer that was kind of like good works, you know. And um, he, he began to share some problems. He had an adult daughter and he said, you know, I've, I've been trying to pray, but I don't really know how. So I said, well, let me tell you how to pray. And I said, 
I've got a prayer that God is guaranteed to answer with a yes, and that's called the, the salvation prayer. Anyway, long story short, I begin to explain the gospel, and the mailman who came to deliver the mail, right, he accepted Christ. He began to, here's this, you know, big, strong guy, 51 or two years old, weeping. Um, about two weeks ago, on a Thursday, two weeks ago, the guy, uh, we had a worker at our house to fix something, and his name was Robert. And we got into a conversation. He's like, you know, the world, golly, what, what world's happening with the country? It just seems to be chaotic. Well, led Robert, the guy worked, doing some work in my kitchen. Robert accepted Christ, 40-year-old guy. So what I would say is, folks, understand that evangelism is not just for Billy Graham or something. Every single one of us, it's our privilege. And if we pray, and if we're just, I mean, you don't have to go to seminary. Just read and know some Bible verses and love people enough to try to steer the conversation to spiritual things. You'll begin to lead people to Christ. You would be surprised. I'm like the world's biggest introvert. And yet, if you ask people um, about spiritual issues, they will be willing to talk, and you'll be amazed. God can use you to lead people to put their faith in Christ. Alex, we'd like to give our guests an opportunity to address our watchmen, those who watch, warn, witness, and seek to finish well in these last days. Speak to our watchmen. Well, well, I want to say to all the watchmen, first of all, thanks for listening to this wonderful broadcast. Two people for whom I have great respect, Dylan and Joe. Uh, but 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight: your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Live for Jesus. Be bold for Christ, because it really does count for eternity. Amen. Well, Alex, we want to thank you so much for being here with us today. Before we let you go, where can people find out more about your book and about your ministry? Well, thanks very much. And don't forget the October 15th through 17th conference, uh, Truth to New Generation, Myrtle Beach. And you can go just to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com. It's my name, alexmcfarland.com. And let's stay equipped and let's see God use us help save our nation. Amen. And thank you for listening here and joining us on A View from the Wall. We encourage you to check it out again at IamAWatchman.com where you can find out more and download a copy of today's program and others. We appreciate your prayers and support to help us as we continue to serve you and those around the world. And join us next time here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.